0: This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox of Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For other sermons from Antioch, you can visit the church website at antiochchurchnc.org. Now, let's turn our hearts to the Word of God.
1: Genesis 19, verses 1 to 29. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you, and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand back. And they said, This fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man-lot, and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of the place. For we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be joking. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, And Lot said to them, "'O no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved.' He said to them, "'Behold, I grant you this favor also.' That I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived.
0: Well, good to be back with you. Thank you for your prayers for the foxes. And our vacation time was wonderful. But we missed being with you. Glad to be back. Welcome to all of you who are here physically and those who are here virtually. We're glad that you're with us as well. So, the backdrop of this story today came when Abraham asked a question. Remember, last week, Scott preached about this. Can or shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And we see today God answers that question in no uncertain terms that God does do what is just. As the scene opens, two angels appear. In Sodom, in the evening, where they've traveled from Abraham's house in in the Oaks of Mamre, and now they're here at Sodom, and they find Lot. Where is he? Sitting in the gate. Remember the progression? Lot moved close to Sodom, pitched a tent. Then he moved into Sodom, and now we see that Sodom has moved into him. And he has a place even of authority in this wicked city. Now many have drawn comparisons between Sodom's destruction and the destruction of the earth during the flood. Think about that. Uh, in each event, one man stands in contrast to the wickedness all around him. Now, we may not think of Lot as a righteous man, right? You, you hear this story today and the next week's story and you think, this is not a righteous man. But the Bible, Peter particularly, refers to righteous Lot. We'll look at that verse later and kind of explain Try to explain what that means. But with Noah and with Lot, God warned the righteous of what was coming. Unlike Noah, however, Lot was not able uh, to convince his whole family to escape the destruction. Each man's story ends with drunkenness. And in each case, the drunkenness leads to something that will be a plague upon the people of God. It will bring them much suffering. And finally, each event is a judgment of God on wickedness. But in each case, praise God. There's a rescue of the remnant. Let's look at this passage today under three main points. Visit, rescue, and destruction. Lot reacts the same way Abraham did when these two men show up, except without the running. He doesn't run to them as Abraham did, but he bows to them. He refers to himself as their servant. He, He begs them to stay with him so that they can wash their feet and so they can have a place to rest and maybe as a test they refuse. You see that they refused. No, 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 we're going we're going no, we're fine, we're good. Uh, we're going to stay in the town square. Now, here's a, here's an argument I would make. I don't think Lot at this point knows who these guys are. He's horrified at the prospect of these two mortal men as he assumes that they are staying in the town square because he knows what happens in the town square. When anybody new comes to town. So he presses them strongly to stay. And they agreed. And he fixes them a feast. So they're all ready to turn in for the night. And then a hellish scene develops. As the Bible tells us that all the men of the city. You see that's very specific. All the men. Not some. All the men. Young and old. Verse 4. Every last man came to Lot's door. And demanded that he turns over the two visitors Who are in his house. Now think with me for a second. It seems plausible that if every last man showed up at Lot's door, that every last man included whom? Lot's daughters' husbands to be. Just ponder that for a second. Is describing it's difficult to describe the horror of this scene in a family atmosphere, which we want to maintain on Sunday morning. But there's every indication that what happened here that night, and what happened in Gibeah in Judges 19, same thing, were regular occurrences in each place. Whenever any new male came to town, young or old, Um, this was gang assault. And it was this city's name from which we get the name of the sin, specific sin, called sodomy. Not that sodomy originated with these men. We don't propose that. Probably had been around for a long time as a a sin. But it represents perhaps in in Sodom the most horrific example of it in the Bible, which is why God destroyed the city. The nonsense that God destroyed the city because the people there weren't hospitable. Um, is just that, nonsense. Derek Kidner writes, At this point in Scripture, the sin of sodomy is branded as particularly heinous or awful or wicked. Now, God eventually will tell Moses to include this in the law. It was a capital offense, sodomy, in in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20. Paul writes about the sin of homosexuality in Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Timothy 1. And we know that Jesus, people say, well, Jesus never said it was a sin. Jesus said a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And he said God created them male and female. And that's how Jesus described the pattern that God had created. We know that all sin is against God. In fact, in Leviticus 18 and 20, it's not just homosexuality that's condemned. It's any kind of sexual sin between men and women. That is sinful. That's illicit. Okay? Um, You know, and we know that we all stand before God as sinners, except for the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. We're all condemned in our sin, no matter what our sin is. But, sodomy represents not just a sin, a garden variety sin, but it also represents a rejection of God's design. What happens next is hard to understand, Lot addresses the lust-crazed mob at his door as brothers. You see that? He called them brothers. Now, that, mean, that word can mean family. He ain't wanting family with these guys, but it also can mean companion. Hey, brothers, you know? So it's hard to understand why he would use that term in this context. But what's even harder to understand, the unthinkable thing, is that Lot does what? He offers his virgin daughters to them to satisfy their lusts. They were unmarried, they were betrothed, and that was the Jewish way. You be, were betrothed, but you didn't consummate the wedding until your wedding night. But you could not separate because that would be a divorce, and therefore that's why he, he talks about his sons-in-law. They weren't yet by, by virtue of consummation, but they were by virtue of the fact that they promised themselves to these women. And the women had promised themselves to them. But they were still virgins, and he offers them to this Mob. Alan Ross says in this chapter, we see, we see Lot first as a hypocrite and then as a buffoon. The buffoon happens when he bargains with the angels as to a safe place he wants to run to. Don't make me go all the way to the hills. Let me go to this little city. It's just a little city, isn't it? We'll talk about that later. But as a hypocrite, we see Lot standing up, righteous Lot, standing up to protect these men who had come to his house. That's good. That's virtuous. And in the same breath, he's offering his daughters to this mob to do with as they please. Kent Hughes writes, this is a monstrous breach of fatherly duty. If a father has one job, it's, and he has more than that, it is to protect his family, not to put them in harm's way. Well, the mob refuses the daughters, thank God. And, and then they call Lot the worst thing that they could possibly think of. And in fact, in our culture, this is the worst thing you can be called today. Right? Judgmental. <laughs> they say, you came as a sojourner and now you've become the judge. You're so judgmental, Lot. And we hate that, right? We don't want to be judgmental, do we? <laughs> well... One thing commending his character, I guess, is that he was judgmental in the fact that he did not participate in this nightly ritual in Sodom. And, and we'll see uh, later why. Well, in fact, let's go ahead and see it now. <laughs> why Peter said he was righteous. Uh, Peter wrote this. He said, he, God, rescued righteous lot greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For as that righteous man... Lived among them day after day. He was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. We talked about this this morning in the men's breakfast. You know, Peter's doing an if-then there. He's building a case that if God re- rescued the world from the flood and he rescued Lot you know, during this time, you know, will he not also rescue the godly from the wicked world that they live in? And it's interesting to me that Peter never calls Lot godly. He calls him righteous. He was righteous in the fact that he was God's, he belonged to God, and he recognized that, but he was living in an evil place, and he was doing everything but participating in the evil, and he was tormented by the evil that was all around him, and yet he stood in relief against this wickedness as a righteous man, tormented by what he saw and heard and lived with every day. That begs the question, are we so close to the sensual conduct of the wicked, so wrapped up in the things that are worldly, that our righteous souls are also tormented by what, by what we see and what we hear? Hey, let me suggest to you that it's a good thing if we are tormented by the wickedness that we see around us. That means our conscience has not been dulled to the point where it doesn't work any longer. Right? Paul talked about that. He said, Hymenaeus and Alexander, their 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 consciences are they they're shipwrecked, right? Their faith is shipwrecked because their consciences don't work anymore. We get to that place, we're in big trouble. But even to be so close, to get so close to the sensual activities of the world that are that are fleshly to the point where you know we we don't participate, but we kind of like it. I mean Lot wanted to live in Sodom, didn't he? He liked living in Sodom. he I'd go so far as to say he loved Sodom. That's why he didn't want to leave. They had to drag him out of the city. It's a dangerous sign if we're no longer bothered by what we see and hear around us. And this is where Lot found himself and there are sad consequences, aren't there? So the wicked mob... Uh, then tries to make Lot the meat of a sandwich as they try to break down the door with him as the battering ram. And this is when the angels do their first act of rescue. If you're counting, this is the second time in Scripture that Lot has had to be rescued. There's more to come. <laughs> At least one more. But the angels reach around and grab Lot, pull him inside, and then they, they blind the mob. Now the rest of this scene really is a dark comedy. It, it really is. You have to chuckle at it, but it's, it's dark, okay? These are furious, blind, lust-filled, lust-crazed men who are groping for the door, wearing themselves out, trying to find the door to Lot's house. They're standing right there. Last year at the men's retreat, I talked about this, this, uh, this passage. Some of you young guys might remember this. And I asked somebody, I don't remember who it was, But I asked for a volunteer to come up and just, you know, cover your eyes so you really, really can't see. And stand beside of me. And I'm standing here and there's a, we're in a beach house at Holden. And there's a door going onto a deck or something right behind me. And I said, now with your eyes covered, you can't peep, see if you can find the doorknob, right? I guess you'll have to cover them with one eye. See if you can find the doorknob. Guess how long it took? About two seconds, you know, I mean... So, he, here's the thing. I think what's happening here is that the blindness of the sodomites did not just affect their eyesight, it damaged their minds. And may I suggest to you that, that there's research that's very convincing that pornography, pornography, for example, does not just lead you into sin, it damages your brain, it, it rewires your brain. It damages your ability to think clearly and to reason clearly. And those who are addicted to it become like these sodomites. Not even able to make basic decisions. Well, that leads us to the rescue. As we saw last week in Scott's message, God agreed not to destroy the city if there were only how many righteous? Say it to me. Ten. Right, ten. I'm guessing there were hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people who lived in this city, but there were just, just need to be ten. If you could just find ten righteous people, Lot. God said, I, Abraham, I, I will not destroy the city. And we see from the text today, I would make the argument that there was only one righteous. But Lot was the only one that was righteous in that city. And we're, again, we're not a big fan of his character, are we? He was a sinner, just like us. He wasn't perfect. He was a sinner. But the decisions that he's made so far do not endear us. endear him to our hearts. So the angels tell Lot to get his people out of the city. Because there's a great outcry against it to the Lord. And he's going to bring about its destruction. And one, one sentence tells us how much influence Lot had in the city as opposed to Joseph and Daniel two godly men who lived in pagan cities who had incredible influence right we could talk about jo- we will talk about Joseph later in a long time from now when we get to the last part of Genesis but these two men were godly in pagan cities so it is possible to live in a pagan place surrounded by heathens and still have incredible influence as we know Daniel and Joseph did. But the last, the end of verse uh, 14 tells us that Dan, Lot, if he ever had any credibility, had lost it all. He seems to his sons-in-law to be jesting. Imagine the scene, he went out in the middle of the night and, uh, and he told them the story of the men and the mob and the miracle of blindness. And these two, these two men are really angels and God has sent them here. And tomorrow morning they're going to destroy This whole area, the whole valley, you've got to go. We've got to go right now. And they laughed at him. (laughs) You know, they said, that's, what? Angels destroying, they're going to destroy the city. That's rich. Hey, listen, future pops, you just go on back and go to bed and get some sleep and let us have ours, And we'll see you in the morning. It'll be, it'll be okay. He had no influence. He had no credibility with these two men. Well, the next morning, the angels urged Lot to take his wife and two daughters and leave. And verse 6, 16 tells us, but he lingered. Again, you see how Sodom, he not just entered Sodom, it had entered his soul. It had become a part of him. He loved the place. He did not want to leave it. He lingered. We're going to destroy this place, but he lingered. We know we're in bondage to, a, to sin or to a particular lifestyle that's comfortable, but tor- soul-tormenting when we know we should leave it. But we don't want to. Is there anything in any of our lives that controls us? Paul said, you know, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. He said all things are lawful, but I will not be controlled by anything. And let's be honest. Some people are controlled by electronics. Some people are controlled by food. Some people are controlled by drink. Some people are controlled by work. Some people are controlled by lust for More. I just need to have more. And if if you're in that place where the thought of leaving that, that that is your life, you you wake up in the morning thinking about this thing that you want to do or consume or experience, and you you can't even imagine walking away. Then you're just, just where light was. Vic made a good point this morning. He said, you know, there's great mercy when God delivers the addicted. And God does deliver the addicted, doesn't he? And in this case, he literally had to pick Lot up and put him outside of the city. And, and sometimes it, it happens with us that way. I don't know if anybody ever in, in here has ever had an intervention, but it happens, right? Where somebody... No power of their own, their family comes together and says, no, 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 we're taking you here to get help. Now, does it always work? Everybody said. No, because the addicted person, even after an intervention, intervention and drying out and getting free from their, their habit, often, like a dog returns to its vomit, goes right back to it. I see that at Piedmont Rescue, Caleb and I, when we go once a month. Tomorrow night, men, if you want to join us, or me, uh, we see that with those guys all the time, and and I, I think I have I have stories of things that I was addicted to, and you do as well. God is in the miracle working business, but you have to come to the place where you are broken and ready to be free, and God can make that happen if if He wants to. So. Another indication of how much Lot has assimilated is that God's plan was to destroy how much? The whole valley, right? Remember, Lot set his eyes to the east and he saw the valley, he saw the fertile plain, he saw that's where the good crops can grow. I'm going to take that land, Lot. I mean, Abraham, you just fend for yourself with the rocky soil. I'm going there, right? The selfishness of Lot. Well, that's where he is. He's in the Fertile Crescent. He's in the valley. He's in the place where everything is is growing, especially the sin. And and God's plan is to destroy every bit of that valley. And Lot begs the angels, "Don't make me go all the way to the hills. I don't know if I'll make it." Now look, look. If God was going to wait till Lot was in a in a in a safe place, would He have made it? Yes. But Lot's begging because. Again, Sodom is so much in him. One, one person wrote, Derek Kinder says, the right, uh, the grip of this present evil world, even on those who love it with a bad conscience, is powerfully shown this last minute struggle. The warning in Luke seventeen thirty-two to remember Lot's wife gives us reason to see ourselves potentially in the lingering, quibbling Lot himself, wheedling a last concession as he is dragged to safety. And I don't like this sentence, not even brimstone will make a pilgrim of him. He must have his little Sodom again if life is to be supportable. So it's like a guy, you know, who who says, "I can't leave Vegas. I, I love Vegas. Everything about Vegas. This is not it, nothing about Chrissy and, and Nicole. Hey, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta have my Vegas." And, and instead they go to another place where it's just, you know, Atlantic City or whatever. Okay, if I can't have Vegas, at least I can have my Atlantic City or whatever other, other place you come to. And so Zoar was a little Sodom. The same stuff was going on there, apparently. And by God's grace, he conceded to allow Lot to go to Zoar. And that leads us to destruction. Hebrews ten thirty thirty one could have been written on Lot's wife's. Tombstone. If she'd had one, she became a tombstone of sorts. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living of the living God. So judgment came to Sodom quickly and without mercy. And Jesus said of that city, "They were eating." He's talking about Sodom here in Luke 17. He said, "They were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building." But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven. And destroyed them all. And the warning there Jesus was making was. In the same way that judgment came upon a people. Who thought they were okay. You're okay. I'm okay. You know. Let's all get drunk and enjoy the rest of the day. On that, on that day. When they all thought life is good. And it can't get any better. It was over. Life came to a halt. Alan Ross says, Lot escaped, but with what? His heart had become part of this world. His wife was just too attached to the city to follow the call of grace. His daughters were not uncomfortable with immorality with their father. We'll talk about that next week, another sad story. Ultimately, he could not have both, his faith and Sodom. Sodom would destroy him if the Lord did not destroy Sodom. Guys, we don't need another visitation from heaven to warn us of future judgment, do we? No, it's coming. We have the Bible that tells us God has appointed a day upon which he will judge the earth. Acts seventeen thirty one. It's on his calendar. We also don't need another day, another visitation from heaven to tell us the good news of great joy. That a Savior was born. That he lived that he might die to take our place and wash our sins away. So that judgment day will not be a day of judgment for us, but a day of rejoicing, not torment and sorrow. Some of you may have heard the name Harry Ironside. He was a preacher of note back in the day in the, in the United States. I think he died in 1950 or so. But what, this is what he wrote. Uh, he says, One of the first gospel illustrations that ever made a real impression upon my young heart was a simple story I heard when I was less than nine years old. Pioneers were making their way across one of the central states, probably Kansas, "...to a distant place that had been opened up for homesteading. They were traveling in covered wagons, drawn by oxen, and so progress was necessarily slow. One day they were horrified to know that in the distance they saw a long line of smoke in the west, stretching for miles across the prairie, and soon it was evident that the dry grass was burning fiercely and coming toward them rapidly." They had crossed the river the day before, but it was way too far to get to. There's no way they would reach the river they had crossed before the flames would consume them. And as the flame, one, only one man seemed to understand what had to be done. He gave the command to set fire to the grass behind them. Then when a space was burned over, the whole company moved back upon it. And as the flames roared on toward them from the west, the little girl cried out in terror, Are you sure we will not all be burned up? And the leader replied, My child, the flames cannot reach us here, for we're standing where the fire has already been. Ironside went on to say, What a picture of the believer who's safe in Christ. The fires of God's judgment burned themselves out on him. And all who are in Christ are safe forever. They're now standing where the fire's Have already been. You know, if you look at the epilogue of this story of destruction, Abraham comes back to the place where he had pleaded with God for for Sodom. If there were ten righteous, would you destroy Sodom? No, not for ten righteous. And he's standing there and he's looking out across that valley, that dumpster fire of destruction that's taking place right in front of him. The column of smoke is going up to the heavens, it's huge. And then Moses writes that when he destroyed the wicked, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst. That was that missing slide there, Jason. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst. It reminds us of the flood, Genesis 8.1, but God remembered Noah and all that were in the ark. And now all of us who are in Christ could say, but we could say today and every day, those of us who are in Christ, but God remembered Jesus, his son, upon whom the flames of judgment were burned out. And all of us who are in him have been rescued. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but for all eternity. Let's pray. Father, I pray for each one of us. We're all struggling with sin, one kind or another, because we live in a wicked place, surrounded by wicked people. But Lord, we also have fleshly tendencies in our own heart that we wage war. The flesh wars against the spirit. And so Lord, all of us who struggle with one sin or another, maybe it's a sin of appetite, but maybe it's a sin of envy, maybe it's a sin of lust, maybe it's a sin of anger. We all struggle with different sins. Maybe our sin is pride, looking at others and their sin and thinking, "Boy, I'm glad I'm not like him." Lord, help us. Help us to be rescued. Help us to recognize what's in our hearts. Be honest with ourselves and with you. And and Lord, cry out to you for deliverance that we might be set free. Lord, help us not to linger any longer. With that sin habit. But set us free. To walk in freedom. Knowing that we won't be perfect. There will still be sins we deal with day by day. But Lord those sins that have us in their grip. Please give us. Your help. Your grace. And your mercy. To be set free. Lord thank you for this amazing grace. That you poured out upon Lot. Because you remembered Abraham. And his request. Thank you for your grace you poured out upon us because you remember your son, and his sacrifice every day. And we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Mark Fox of Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. Antioch meets every Sunday for worship at 10 o'clock a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon. You can download other messages by Pastor Fox at antiochchurch.cc. You can also learn how to order his books or subscribe to his blog at jmarkfox.com.